are listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings, and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by uh, Jennifer, Mandy, and Chris. How are you doing, ladies? That's awesome. Uh, anything of interest happened since the last time we talked? It's actually been about a month and a half since we talked last. Um, just schedules were keeping us from recording any earlier than this. And I, I think some of us needed a little longer to read this book as well. So it kind of worked out. But I went to New York City. And how was that? And got to see Hamilton and go backstage and be part of the cast. I'm still geeking out about it. That's awesome. Well, that's like the highlight of my life so far this year. Okay. It's a pretty good highlight. Yeah. That's a good highlight. It was great. So did you see Wicked too, or have you already seen that? No, I've seen it in Austin, but we didn't get to see that. We saw Carousel and Hello Dolly, which Carousel was, Hello Dolly was good. Not what, like, I wanted, you know, I went there wanting to see, but Bernadette Peters was in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. The guy that voiced Hans in Frozen was in it. So, yeah, that's good. Well, alrighty then. Uh, I marched in. Well, it wasn't a parade. Uh, it, it normally was a parade, but from what we were told, they couldn't muster the money to uh, hire the police officers they needed to uh, block off all the streets. So it ended up being um, processionals, which was fine. Uh, a lot less walking and still enjoyed it. But um, the the big thing was the band we were we were uh, with um, is called a Biohazard a Bass a Biohazard Brass Band. Um, I can't remember where they're from. They're from a different fort, but man, they were good. They were astonishingly good. Uh, so that was a lot of fun marching, you know, dressed up as a Ghostbuster behind them. So, <laughs> which is that's my first Ghostbuster event this year. So, oh, cool. But uh, speaking of Wicked, uh, that's actually uh, very close to what we were talking about tonight. Tonight's book is Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister by Gregory Maguire, who actually wrote uh, Wicked as well. Um, I'll go ahead and lead off here and say that actually kind of – so when this book was proposed, I don't remember who proposed this book, but uh, when I heard that, I thought – um, okay, that sounds interesting. I have not seen Wicked. I have not read Wicked, but I've I've heard about it, and I'm like, I like that idea for a story. So I was like, okay, well, this is going to be like that, but it will be set in the realm of Cinderella. Um, so that's my that's what I initially thought going into it. Um, what I got was not exactly that, or at least not what I was expecting. Um. But I guess I'll go into that more later. Chris, what were what were your initial thoughts or expectations? Well, I've only read chapter eight, <laughs> to, to be honest, and, and so I, I'll be very quiet this episode. I was really excited about the title because it's like, oh, another side to the story. How cool! And I've um, I haven't watched, I haven't seen Wicket, but I understand, um, like I know the premise of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cool. So I was excited to read it, and I um, I downloaded it on Audible because I'm addicted now. And I forget who um, narrates it. Her name is Jenny Strelin, I think. Super um, very, very British. <laughs> <laughs> she is, or the book? <laughs> oh, my. Yes. This is coming from somebody who grew up with a great grandmother who was from England. It was like very British. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Mandy, what were your initial impressions or thoughts? So this is also my first Gregory Maguire. I've never seen Wicked, never read it. Um, and so like you, I was excited about, you know, the other side of the story. Um, it just, it, I, I imagine Wicked is better. Like, and also, um, Audible kind of changes the experience of the book because of the twist at the end. Um, who the narrator is um, is kind of that blew my mind. Well, it's undermined if you're listening to it because of who the character is supposed to be. Um, so that kind of and you know there were times when like it got 
into the like the well-known part of the story that I just kind of lost. I wasn't paying attention, you know, because I knew what was happening. They were at a ball. And so mm-hmm. something different would happen. I'd be like, oh, what? I'd have to back up. Um, so, I, you know, I liked the difference. I, I like the history and the research he did. I just I think Wicked is probably better because it's such a huge phenomenon. Um, but, yeah, I liked it. Okay. Jennifer? So I think I was the one that suggested this book because I have read Wicked and the three sequels to Wicked and seen the play and obsessed over it for several years. So I kind of like already knew that I liked this author and um, Mm -hmm. was wanting to read a lot of his other stuff because he kind of does what he did in Wicked where he gets the minor characters version of the story. And um, I really liked it because it was... the same but different so you could kind of see how the Cinderella we know today could have been perverted from that story. And I just like his style and his weird, quirky ways of explaining things. Um, so I thought it was interesting. But, yeah, that twist at the end really kind of blew my mind a little bit. So, well, let me ask this before we before we go any further. Um So is Wicked actually, like, set in the world of... The Wizard of Oz, because from okay, so what my initial impression of this was, it was going to be that we're going, we're getting, we're getting the story of Cinderella, but told from uh, the viewpoint of at least one of the ugly stepsisters, and so I'm like, okay, so I was expecting, um, you know, not quite necessarily the Disney movie, but you know, I was expecting there to be magic and to be, um, you know, at, at least closer to the story that i initially you know know as being cinderella and uh that that is not what this is this book is is grounded in you know there's no magic there's no it's like you said it's like it's like someone took a factual story and twisted it to get what we ended up getting but yeah it's very dark wicked is also very dark the book Mm -hmm. is much like has a much not happy ending or worse ending than the play. It's a happy ending in the play and not so much in the book, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah. So it's. No, oh, I think she froze up. <laughs> she froze up. Uh, maybe she'll be back in a second. Um, okay. So, well, so, okay. So it was what I thought it was because, um, like I said, and initially I thought uh, this was going to be set in that world, but this is that that's not the case. So let's let's kind of start jumping into um, the story. Now, <clears throat> I'm also going to go ahead and say this. Um, I didn't take notes on this. Um, I was in the middle of doing a bunch of stuff, and normally the way I do these books is I'll I'll listen to them and take notes as I'm going along. Um, unfortunately, I, I think I need to work on that because I tend to end up getting too many notes sometimes. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's one of those things I need to, uh, try to condense my notes even because it, I think I can drone on and on and on. Um, but I, I went through and I listened to it and I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to listen to it. I've got plenty of time. It was early in the month. I'm going to listen to it. I'll finish it. And then maybe I can condense my own notes and go back and listen to it a second time and condense my notes as I went along. Um, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I couldn't listen to this book Aww. a second time. I did not <laughs> care for this book. So I had to go online and found uh, found <laughs> notes. Um, yeah, so uh, spoiler alert, I didn't, I didn't care for the book. But, uh, so, so speaking of spoilers, does Chris just have to suffer through or... I don't mind spoilers. I actually enjoy spoilers. So okay. Bring them yeah, on. I already know who that is. Her and Lainey are one of those. So, yeah. 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 Okay. I don't, or, or spoiler alerts don't um, taint the experience for me. Okay. Which is, which is kind of funny because considering what you said earlier when you were saying when you get to a part of the book that, you know, you kind of have an idea of what's going on, like the ball and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's the one part of the book I actually like. Okay, well, here's the thing I actually know. The rest of it, I'm just like, where did what <laughs> so um trying to condense this down the book starts off with with marguerite she's got two daughters uh iris and ruth um they roll into this town and they have no money her husband has 
probably been killed. <laughs> we think he's been killed. Near the end of the book, we find out maybe that's not the case. Um, but they roll into this town um, in um, in the Netherlands, and they're having to beg for food and, and money and everything else. And she's trying to be she's trying to be proud about it, but it's kind of hard whenever you're begging. And um, they end up uh, they end up going up to this cottage, and they meet this little girl, and she's you know blonde and beautiful, and and ask if the one girl is a changeling. Ask if Ruth is a changeling. Ruth is is um, um, how do I put this? She's um, been yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah. That's that's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, but um, and and her older sister kind of you know watches out for her. So, um, they end up finding this this uh, painter. Um, what was his name? Um, Drew. Showmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. They end up they end up finding this painter, and she kind of uh, shoemaker. That's his name. They end up finding this painter, and Marguerite basically, you know, says, "Hey, you know, I can help, you know, cook and clean and take care of the house because you obviously need it and and blah blah blah." And he begrudgingly kind of, you know, uh, takes them in. Uh, so she's cooking and cleaning and taking care of the house. And um, um, I he he has the girls go out and go get uh, flowers and stuff for him to paint. And he talks about how. He's not able to paint what he wants to paint um, because everyone's wanting, you know, religious symbols and stuff right now and, and everything else. So um, and everyone's, you know, flowers and flowers are, you know, stupid. But, you know, whatever that's that, you know, this is how I'm going to make my living. Um, and he, he wants to paint. He wants to paint Iris and she doesn't want to be painted first. Finally, you know, her mom basically says, you know, you will be painted. You're going to sit, you're going to stand there or sit there and do whatever he wants, you know, cause we're living there and he's paying us and blah, blah, blah. So he ends up painting her with some different flowers, but he won't let her see it. He also mentions, uh, that there's two rooms. There's the room that has the art that he's selling. And then he has the other room and the other room is the, uh, gallery of God's mistakes. And he won't let anyone see that. Um, and so um they're they're in the house and um and he's not he's not a bad guy. He doesn't come across as a bad guy. He's definitely kind of an old grump, but yeah, I was just gonna say he's, he sounds just grumpy and just tired of life and kind of pissed off he wakes up in the morning instead of waking up dead. Yeah. <laughs> so um and then it's it's at this point that um you know they've kind of got a good thing going but Marguerite can't let you know well enough alone so then she goes to the uh Vandermeer house and um starts advertising that you know she could help them there and this that and the other and she basically kind of you know uh get ends up getting the housekeeping job there as well uh the uh Vandermeers uh, there's the husband. He's kind of well-to-do. He's uh, in the process of, of um, everyone's going crazy for tulips. You know, that's that's the big thing here in, in the Netherlands. So uh, <laughs> there, everyone's investing in tulips, and uh, so he's dealing with that. And um, the wife is pregnant, and then there's the daughter. And the daughter's the one that met him when they first came into town, um, Clara. And Claire is very beautiful and everyone in town just, you know, what little they get to see of her know that she's, you know, an extremely, you know, she's a beautiful child and everything, but she's not allowed to go outside. Like she doesn't, she barely looks out the window and she's pretty much just kept inside the house and which is odd, but, um, thoughts up to this point. It's kind of slow moving. Because it's basically where I stopped reading is what you just okay. Like, I stopped reading. I think Casper just got introduced. Okay, yeah. Yes, and Casper's like, his uh, his apprentice. Yes, the painter's apprentice. It was. I think if I'd read this, I would have. It would have been better because then I could sort of skim through things. But listening to it, I had to listen to all the detail. Yeah, it's kind of hard to skim on an audiobook. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever even tried that, to be honest with you. Yeah. I would have just read all the dialogue if I had read the book. Yeah. So it was slow. It was slow going. Jennifer, thoughts up to that point? 
Uh, I guess, well, you're seeing, you know, a side of their family that you didn't get to see in all the other fairy tales. So I thought that was interesting. And I kind of, you know, caught on early that Marguerite was the worst. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, it was a little slow moving, like she said, but um, it was kind of like, okay, it's going to get good soon. When are they going to start, like, you know, when are we going to see what happened in the story that we know, I guess? Okay, yeah, and uh, unfortunately when you dropped out, I was saying um, uh, I didn't really care for the book, mainly because it was so different than kind of what I was expecting, and it did take a long time to finally, you know, and I understand I'm all for bringing a bunch of backstory in, because, I mean, that's kind of the purpose of these type of books, you know, where you're getting someone else's opinion is, or, you know, someone else's viewpoint is, we're bringing in, you know, backstory that's not normally there. And I don't really have a problem with that. It's just, uh, it was so foreign to what I was expecting. It was like, my brain was just kind of like, is, are you, are we reading the right book? Like I, I literally looked multiple times. I was like, I, I downloaded the right one, right? Okay. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I wasn't quite sure sometimes. Um, I, I have a question real quick. Did y'all think Margareta was sleeping with the painter with scone marker? I thought maybe, but I don't know for certain. Like, well, then she would make that comment about him and Casper, so maybe she tried to and he refused <laughs> or you know, like, I don't know. Uh, oh, he wouldn't put it past her because she was. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have put it past If he kept a roof over her head and her children said, I would have, I don't think she would have. Yeah. Said no. Well, hold, hold on, Chris, until, oh, you, okay. until oh. we keep going. So. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait. I right, totally so, um, knew that she did what she did. By the way, I was like, I read that in the synopsis, so I know I, I know that, but I don't know yeah. how. Um. Oh, one of the things I was saying, Jennifer, is uh, I, I listened to the book straight through. I didn't take notes on it, and I was like, oh, I'll just take notes on it the second time. I, I couldn't. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't listen to it again. I had to go find notes online. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I'm having to kind of paraphrase here. So, um, so. Uh, Basically, they end up moving into um, uh, the Vandermeer's house, and she's once again, you know, doing the housekeeping or whatever. And um, uh, Iris is basically kind of tasked with becoming a friend for Claire. Like it's almost like, oh, hey, we we bought you a friend. Mm. Uh, That's a line from the movie. They say that verbatim. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> uh, that's the well, whole that's... reason they're there, right? It's because they want a friend for their daughter. Yeah, kind of, sort of. It's like, well, you know, okay, fine, we'll do this. And I guess you can help cl cook and clean, too. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, um, the mother becomes, she's pregnant, and she's um, she starts having some problems. And mm -hmm. it, it, it's at this point, oh, wait a minute, let's see here. Um, so uh, at this point, a couple other things happen. Uh, Casper starts really kind of hanging out with, with Iris and becoming friends with her and um uh um shoe uh shoemaker uh ends up painting uh girl with tulips which is actually a painting of Clara with with these beautiful tulips and everyone's like this is your masterpiece this is the greatest art you will probably ever do definitely the greatest thing you've ever done before uh everyone's like you know all over it and, and everything else. And, um, so, you know, it, that, that's helping him out with that. Um, it was, it talks about here on the notes, talking about seeing an imp and she kind of goes on about that in the book, seeing this imp at the house or whatever. And to me, that was, I don't know. I found that confusing. I was like, okay, well, are we getting some of the magic, like, you know, some of the magic I was expecting? Is that how this is coming in? There's an actual imp and it's, it's not, it's more, um, metaphorical. It's just, it's like, okay, you, you know, there is, there's bad stuff happening in this house. And, you know, of course, back, you know, the time period that it's set, you know, we used to blame stuff like that, you know, on imps or fairies or, or demons kids. or whatever. And, it was kind of the you kids' so? like way of. Uh, to me, it was like they're both very immature, and they were like, "Oh, you're a changeling. There's an imp. You know that kind of thing." That seemed to be like their explanation for everything from their viewpoint. I don't know. 
Yeah, I yeah I can see that. Uh, like I said, it t- like in the, I think it's because and like I said, in the back of my head, I kept expecting you know this magical element to slowly start seeping into it. I was thinking, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is how it's going to be introduced. So, um, like I I think at one point I was like, okay, so maybe it's it's imps that are doing this, and it's not you know we were told they're 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 fairies, but they're actually you know she sees them as as being you know harmful imps or demons or whatever and of course you know they helped they helped the one stepsister but they didn't help me and everything else so uh totally wrong on that i tend to be wrong about a lot of stuff when reading so i try not to think about it uh, <laughs> um but uh the mother um uh henrika ends up falling ill and uh dies a few weeks later it's at this point now margarita is already a piece of work uh but things start to move pretty quickly at this point because uh the next thing it, it seems like it's a pretty quick turnaround for her to um end up taking over the household and then uh end up marrying um six weeks six they yeah vandermeer yeah really yeah. quick way to mourn your wife buddy <clears throat> yeah i was like what's the mourning period in holland and 16th century. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Um, so it's at this point. So they're like, okay, so they've moved in. She's now the she's now the head of the household. Um, Vandermeer is having problems because the whole tulip thing is not turning out like everyone expected. Um, not only is he heavily invested in this, but he's got everyone else in the town heavily invested in it. So of course they're starting to knock on the door and be like, hey, dude, where's my money at? Um. So what money they did have is starting to uh, is starting to dry up, and um, then there's this kind of side, this little side escapade. It, it everything freezes over, and the river freezes over, and um, they end up going out uh, skating on the river, and they get really far away from town. And um, Casper's telling them, "Hey, you know, y'all are going too far. We need to turn back." And they're like, "You know." screw you we're gonna keep going uh and they end up finding this windmill and then clara starts telling this story about how she's a changeling and there's it keeps going it it talks about this at, at first you kind of get the impression or at least i got the impression that when it meant a changeling it meant someone who like physically was changing forms um and then you kind of start to understand it means that um no they're they're changing their viewpoint or, or their personality. They've come to a, a point in their life where everything is now different. Um, but she tells this story about bird people. Once again, I'm like, okay, well maybe the magic part's coming in. I don't know. It's still really weird. Bird people kidnapping her and then um, letting her go as, as a, as a little girl. And we start, you know, it's at this point we're like, okay, well maybe that's why this little girl is so, kind of odd because you know she had some real serious shit happen to her as a kid um we we do finally get the explanation as to why she's not let out of the house because she was kidnapped as a kid and mom kind of went off a rocker and was like well you're never leaving the house again because i can't afford to lose you so um yeah thoughts up to this point anyone I, i was very taken aback with how like antisocial she was and how scared of the world she was. And I was like, how Mm -hmm. is he going to turn this around and make her the Cinderella that sneaks out to go to the ball and meets the prince and, you know, ends up getting married to him and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So that's what I kept thinking the whole time. It's like, she's like so scared of everything. This is never going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. Like it was a big deal for her to like even go in the backyard, like past the gate or whatever. Yeah. That was like, um. So now we start, and it's at this point we start to get kind of a semblance of the story that at least I was expecting. Um. So we start hearing about the Dowager Queen of France. She is coming with her, and they weren't 100% sure like they kind of went back and forth about whether it's her nephew or her son but she's bringing a young man looking for a wife and they're gonna have this big ball and um at the same time we've got this neighbor showing up um van stolk 
And he shows up to the house and he's like, hey, listen, you have no more money. I'm going to start buying furniture and start buying you out, you know, because you owe a bunch of money. And the first thing that he wants to buy is the um, girl with tulips painting. But uh, that's the one time like the dad snaps out of his depression and comes down and is like, no, absolutely not. You're not going to take it, blah, blah, blah. And he reveals that he's loaned it back to uh, Shoemaker so that he can present it uh, before the queen. So there's going to be this big ball and there's two things going on. On the one hand, we've got, um, this prince technically, I guess, um, <laughs> uh, looking for, looking for, uh, a mate. And then on the kind of the back channel, it's also, um, she's probably going to be looking for an artist to do this final painting, and uh, and whoever ends up getting that commission is going to end up, you know, rolling bank, have a, you know, pretty much be set for the rest of their life. Uh, so all of the artists are are putting together their their uh, portraits and and getting them there so that at this one big event, not only is it kind of the coming out party for the uh, um, for the nephew, but this is also supposed to be a big art gallery exhibit, and she's going to hopefully make a decision that's going to change someone's life. Um. But we also kind of get this information that uh, Van Stolk is – was it here that it was revealed that he's probably the one that kidnapped Clara as a, as a kid? Or was that a little later on in the book? Because I think it was about here when we kind of get that information dropped. Yeah, about about now. Okay. Um, so that kind of, you know, ties that up a little bit. So, But they have no money – and um, um, Marguerite has basically said at this point, you know, the only way that she can save this family is to um, um, marry off one of the daughters. And obviously it has to be Iris. So she um, she gets them both, you know, uh, gussied up and is going like, all right, well, we're going to the ball and I'm going as well. Uh, but Clara is not going. Iris at this point is like, well, obviously it's not going to be me. I'm not, I'm not attractive. I'm not going to be able to, you know, this is not going to work. I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, catch the eye of a prince by any means. Uh, Clara, you have to go to the ball. You have to save the family. And Clara's like, nope, not doing it. Um, but they end up working with her. They finally convince her that she has to go. And they end up um, selling, pawning off a bunch of stuff. Uh, so that uh, with Casper's help, so that they can get this uh, ball gown, this golden ball gown, uh, ball gown for Claire to wear. And she's like, fine, I'll go, but not as myself. She said she has to have a, a different identity. And uh, she ends up wearing um, Marguerite's uh, white slippers because she I needed some shoes to go with. So. <laughs> I'm sorry? I did kind of love that part when the shoes finally showed up. Yes. And they were just it's white like, leather okay. shoes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that was really changed to being crystal or, or glass. Yeah, so. <laughs> Which I'm sure these would be a lot more comfortable than glass, so. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then we actually get to the ball. And the ball, of course, is what, you know, everyone knows from Cinderella. That's kind of the big thing or whatever. So I'm like, all right, so. It's at this point that I guess my brain finally accepted Frozen for you. Everything for the ball, and it's like, okay, well, am I frozen? You were frozen. Can you see me? I was frozen. Finally accepted, and then that was it. Okay, I finally accepted that there's not going to be any magic in this book because we finally got the explanation as to um, how and why she, you know, uh, gets the dress and and gets, you know, suited up and ready to go to the ball. So, Um, thoughts before the ball. Um, I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> what <laughs> happened was really weird. Does this, uh, how is this book sounding to you, uh, at, at this point, uh, Chris? Um, well, I read the synopsis, um, and I, I, cause I am, I, I really honestly think I have to read this. I think the, the woman who, uh, narrated the audiobook, I think sort of, 
ruined it a little bit for me. Just the just the cadence of her voice and the the pace that she went. Um, so I, it, it's interesting. I, I mean, how are they going to turn this fairy tale and, and make it so that it act, it's actually real life events that could actually be believable? How did it get all turned around and mice and fairy godmothers and stuff? And um, yeah, I I want to read it. Okay, I really do. Um, so we get to the ball. So the ball's happening, and uh, there's lots of things going on. Marguerite, uh, Iris catches Marguerite, um, threatening to burn the uh, uh, girl with with tulips uh, painting, but she ends up stopping her. They have this whole conversation. Um, whenever the uh, 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 the queen shows up. Uh, of course, there's the introduction with her nephew or whatever, and, and everyone's expected to go meet to go meet the prince. And uh, they go, they they show up, and he's pretty much just like, you know, a dead fish for the most part. Um, until Iris gets up there, and then she strikes a, a conversation with him and finds out, oh, hey, he's actually maybe kind of interesting, and he doesn't seem to care that she's not that attractive. Um, Speaks English. Yes. And uh, so they start having this conversation and, you know, it actually kind of maybe dawns in the back of her head. Wow. There might actually be a chance. I might actually, I might actually be able to pull this off. And then walks in walks uh, our Cinderella as it were. Um, And of course he just completely drops everything. You know, he's not even paying attention to her. He's just, you know, enamored with her and they spend the rest of the evening together it sounds like it was kind of implied that um, a little hanky panky went on there, but I, I don't totally know. Totally raped her. He had to yeah. have raped her. There's no way she would have done that consensually, as timid as she was. Yeah. So, which is you know leads you know you know lends credence to you know how and why she ends up the way she does you know a little bit later on. Um, so. Uh, you know, uh, Iris at this point has been, you know, she thought Clara was going to be the savior of the family. And then she kind of uh, let down her guard for a moment, actually had hope that maybe she could be, you know, something more than she is. And then it's immediately dashed. So, you know, you feel bad for her. You're like, well, crap, girl. Sorry about that. Life she's just, also uh, just... like struggling with her feelings for Casper this whole time. Like she's yeah, and that's in the love other with thing. him and. And he he seems to like her, but she's doubting herself all the time. And then she thinks that because of her mom that he's, you know, not interested in women. And so there's this whole, like, I don't know. Yeah, and then and I completely glossed over that, uh, that whole thing about um, Shoemaker offering her an apprenticeship. Like, he's like, you know, she's... She keeps telling him, you know, I'm not a painter. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, but you have a good eye. You can, you can see it, and I can work with that. Um, and so, you know, there's a little bit of kind of build up there, uh, but then the whole thing rolls in with Casper, and she's like, well, then I have to quit this. So it's, it's there's a lot of hits, one right after another. You know, her hope of maybe being a painter or doing something artistic is all of a sudden dashed because of all the stuff that's going on. And the fact that she might actually, you know, marry someone and save her family. And all of a sudden now that's gone too. So, um, so as the ball's going on, it's getting late, it's starting to wind down and we get smoke. Um, and it's coming from the, uh, it's coming from the painting room. So everyone clears out. Uh, they head back to the house. They don't even bother looking for Clara. It's, you know, uh, they, they're lucky kind of to get themselves back to the house. Well, no, they try to rescue her. Or oh, Ruth did they? Does. I forgot about that. R- Ruth, because they're like outside talking and then with, with the master and then Ruth storms off and then the fire starts and they, she bursts into the room and they find her with the prince and then Clara kind of disappears from them. Okay. I forgot about that. So did she disappear um, with the prince? Well, no, she like went out the window and he was trying to help with the fire, I think. I think. Yeah, that's that sounds right. Yeah. Um she left a shoe behind. Yes, and of course she leaves the shoe behind. Um 
So we get back to the house. The girls are, are, are basically sleeping. And Clara shows up. She's disheveled. Uh, you know, she's, she's just a royal mess or whatever. And about that time, Marguerite comes Literally. in. Yeah. And uh, Marguerite comes in and she's not fully awake and she sees her and she thinks she's a dream. And it's at this point she starts running her mouth <laughs> and starts, lay, you know, laying out all this stuff about how, um, yeah, she's the one that killed the mother. And basically, you know, I'm the one that got us in this position and I'm the one that had to do this to, to, you know, to watch out for my girls and cause y'all are, y'all have been a burden on me all my life and I have to do what I have to do to, she's just a real piece of work. Um, she's what you call a shitty parent. Yeah. <laughs> she's a terrible person. Greedy. Well, not just parent. I just, she's just a shitty person all the way around. <laughs> you, you don't need to be blaming your, your kids for your crappy view of the world. Yeah. Um, so she ends up, you know, listing off a bunch of stuff that she's done and, and, and just royally, you know, screwing everything up for everybody. But she ends up going back to bed. But no, uh, she confesses there to murdering the mom. Yeah. 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 She's she, like, oh, and I poisoned her and I murdered and blah, blah, blah. And she's back to haunt me. And she just like confesses this to her daughters and her stepdaughter. She didn't know she was there because she thought she was a ghost. Or right. fairy or something or another. I'm surprised so. she didn't freak out at that point and just like lose her mind finding that out. Or maybe she suspected it the whole time. I kind of thought that too. Like I was like, is this about to get really dark? And she's like going to take the, the, cause she, you know, she pretty much kept to herself in the kitchen. I was like, is she going to take the pot? And like do Marguerite then? Like, is that how this is going to yeah. go down? But so. But she's obviously traumatized as well, which I think leads, like you said, leads credence to the idea that uh, she was possibly, probably raped, you know, um, you know, back at the uh, back at the ball. Um, she has blood on her shoe and she's like, I don't want to talk about it. She yeah. makes comments that allude to the fact that she was taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not not quite how the the Disney version turned out after the fall, <laughs> but um, but once again, so the next morning, um, uh, Prince shows up, has the slipper, says they're looking for the girl that had the uh, you know that was missing the slipper, um, and so Marguerite recognizes the slipper, said, "Oh, it absolutely had to be Iris." So of course, it, but you know, it doesn't fit. And uh, they're like, well, you know, this is definitely their slipper. She's like, yeah. And he's like, well, that's not really what we're here for. We're here to try to find who burned everything down. Because, like, you're going to jail and shit's going to hit the fan. And it's not, you know, not going to turn out too well for you. And it's at this point that Claire shows up and he recognizes her mirac- miraculously uh, from the night but before. They, but they notice that Ruth has blisters on her hands when she's right. putting the shoes on. So they realize like she's the one that did it. That's oh yeah. And there was a, I glossed over another point. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, so they figure out that it was Clara and, uh, because, you know, he found the woman he was really looking for. They kind of drop all the charges and, you know, it's like, okay, well, whatever. I found this girl, uh, whatever fire, who cares? Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's at this point that the story pretty much kind of wraps up. Uh, earlier in the book as well, they do finally get to go in to see the um, the other room of paintings. And they're supposed to be so horrific and so, you know, mind-boggling that um, Marguerite starts to have vision issues. And she's like, I'm literally going blind because, you know, <laughs> your paintings were so ungodly that I'm, I'm going blind and she constantly, you know, keeps talking about that. That's one of the other reasons. So extra. Yeah. That's one of the other reasons why she's, she wasn't quite sure Claire was there because she couldn't, you know, she wasn't able to really see. So, um, so we end up, you know, wrapping up the story for the most part, um, finds Claire, they go on and, and, you know, quote unquote, happily ever after at this point. It's at this point we hit the epilogue. 
where uh, we find out that the story has not been told from Iris's point of view, which is weird because everything up to this point is told from Iris's point of view. Um, literally, I'm looking at, you know, I'm not an English person by any means, but the pronouns and stuff used are, are clearly from Iris's point of view. But anyway, um, the book is actually being told from Ruth's point of view. And, um, even though they treat her, um, you know, as, as, as if she's mentally handicapped the entire time, she's obviously a smarter cookie than, uh, she was letting on. Um, because then she starts to tell all the stuff that she actually did. She's the one that was putting, um, I believe it was pepper in her mom's eyes so that she couldn't see. She's the one that, like you said, actually is the one that set the fire. She heard her mom talking about the, uh, burning down the painting. And then she's the one that actually went in and did it. Um, she's the one that gives us the epilogue and, and basically tells us how everything ends up, um, painting out, uh, Clara had uh, the prince's children and saved the family from poverty. Uh, Vandermeer uh, had recovered. He finally kind of gave his mind back. Um, and then she tells us that um, Iris passed away. And uh, that was, you know, extremely sad, extremely heartbreaking for her. And that, um, you know, this is the story that really happened. But somehow or another, people have taken this story and twisted it and turned it into the fairy tale that uh you know that people love and 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 talk about you know to this day so um final thoughts so that twist at the end oh the narrator was ruth all along so an audible that really doesn't work because ruth is supposed to be mute so like <laughs> to have her tell you the whole story and then in the end it's like haha it was me all along uh, it just it didn't um, maybe reading it, it has a different effect because she's like, oh, she could just write the story. But um, that was that. That's one of the few times I've been like, I really needed to read this instead of listen to it on Audible because it didn't hit with that reveal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the beginning of the book, when it starts out, and then she, she goes back, like the whole story is a flashback. Kind of get the impression that it's Iris the whole time based on that and the story. And I didn't suspect it all, so that was kind of clever. But, yeah, I, like, there were a lot of things in that, in, in her account that, you know, were different from the actual story, like the father was alive and just was, went kind of crazy, I guess. And yeah. Cinderella ended up actually helping them, which surprised me. Uh, after all that they had been through, and she was a little selfish the whole time, but she did actually, you know, hold up her end of the bargain, I guess. It was very dark, the whole thing. But I don't know if you guys could hear me when I was talking before. I might have cut out, but his stories tend to be like the darker version, the untold side of whatever, you know, story he's telling. So, like, mm-hmm. all of his... He does this a lot with a lot of fairy tales where he'll tell the backstory or the alternate story that somehow could have been true, but it got warped or something, which I think it's kind of cool. Um, but also, you know, it can be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Up with that story. Well, like I said, I mean, I like, I you know, I like uh, some of these stories that I've run across that are like that where it's, um, you know, another, you know, another person telling the story from their viewpoint, especially if it's on the opposite side, like one of the first ones, you know, going back as a kid is, you know, you've probably, you know, read the book where it's the three little pigs, but told from the, the side of the, the big bad wolf. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it was just, you know, they were, they were framing me the whole time. It was, you know, it wasn't like <laughs> that. Um, you know, which is funny and, you know, is, uh, but, um, yeah, like I said, I, I think the biggest problem I had with it was the fact that um, it was more – I was expecting it to be in that magical world and just from their viewpoint. And the fact that it was told like it was, uh, you know, this is what really happened and this is how it got twisted and that, you know, mm-hmm. became a fairy tale. I, I So I don't, I don't know if my um, preconceptions, you know – 
are what caused me to dislike this book. But yeah, I didn't. I ended up not really caring for the book, and to the point that I'm almost a little nervous to actually <laughs> listen, read, um, yeah, uh, Wicked because I'm like, well, so wow, if this is what it's going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of look at it as like. He's taking a fairy tale, which is clearly not a true story in our minds, right? And because it has magic and it has all these things that could happen. And he's telling it in a way that maybe it could have happened in real life. And by removing the magic, you know. And like in Wicked, he kind of, you know, sort of does the same thing with the magic. But there is there is a little magic in there. It's just, it's a lot different from the movie you watched or the, the book you might have read by, you know, L. Frank Baum or whatever. But. I don't know. I think it's kind of neat to to give that story. Also, fairy tales originally were very dark, and yes. this is kind of a throwback to that. Like Sleeping Beauty got raped, and you know the stepsisters really cut their toes off or something to make their shoe fit in the original Grimm whatever version. So I don't know. It's like a homage to that <laughs> that time. But thoughts. Chris, you said you're still gonna, you still want to go back and read it, right? I do. I still, I still want to. I, I think reading it would be a lot better, especially since knowing that it's Ruth, Ruth's version, and mm-hmm. because because it is, it's all, it's very Iris centric. So she must have either idolized her younger sister and just didn't bother seeing the world through her own eyes. It was just through living vicariously through iris and that's how she sees it but <clears throat> i liked her i i like that all the, the disney um fairy tales that you know we grew up as kids and you know my kids have seen they're all at their roots very very dark like the little mermaid dies he sacrifices himself he said cinderella her stepsisters um they cut their heels and half their foots off oh and their eyes got pecked up by ravens and you know it's horrible these really dark things you're like why would you tell that to a kid that's traumatizing Hansel and Gretel all that stuff it's not they're not rooted in happiness it's almost like they're um, cautionary tales don't be like this or this is going to happen so (laughs) just to hear I I like that it's another point of view of the whole story and and it's like um, ever after um, that movie with Drew Barrymore. Yeah, or Maleficent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that, I, I love that movie, so I do really want to read it. I we'll think see. I think his books are more effective if you read them. I didn't listen to it, I read it, but I could see how it would be confusing. Oh. So I know you're big on Audible, Eugene, but if you do read Wicked, I would say read it. Yeah. The narrative. Like, yeah, well, hey. <laughs> it's it like listening to the Queen. Like, you imagine that this is what it <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> Sorry, very proper English, and she has that. She's almost, and I'm sure this isn't how she normally talks, but it was almost, it was boring to listen to her talk. It was very, it was very dry. Yeah, um, very dry. Didn't do voices or anything like. Oh, she did a French accent. <laughs> it wasn't like Luke Daniels. No, Luke Daniels. Yes, not very. It wasn't really good voice work. I'll just, yeah. Yeah, it was very, yeah. Funny. It was yeah, it was a split. So I definitely want to. I definitely want to read book. Which yeah, I guess once you start listening to several books and you start, you know, you start listening to some of these uh, these readers that do really good voice work and stuff. It's it's hard to go back to someone who's literally just kind of reading the book and putting you know a little a little twist on you know the vocalization, but not a lot. Like you'd have if you if you picked it up if you just randomly found some place to it and heard her reading dialogue you c- you'd be able to guess that it's a, a man or a woman but you wouldn't know who it was like yeah, you, you would be like oh that's clearly him yeah speaking. yeah, yeah. The characters yeah yeah you would yeah. know she's uh, talking about so sorry you didn't like it it's all hey it's all good like i said the reason we started the 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 the, the group is so that I could branch out and, you know, try other stuff that I wasn't necessarily, you know, looking at, you know, reading or so. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, cause I know we've read a couple of things that some other people have been like, eh, and I'm like, no, that was a really good book. <laughs> but, um, the next book that we're reading, um, I don't know. We'll have to talk. We may have to just because 
I forgot how long this book is. Like it's a 20 hour audible book, but, um, uh, so we may have, have to push back our recording time to mid-month for the next one as well. But our next book is uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor. No, uh, you know, no vocalization or anything in it. It's it's this the guy reading the book, but it is so jam-packed with Star Wars trivia and information, and um, it does get on some some points where it. Uh, kind of goes straight through talking about like when it we first start to really start talking about making like the movies, he'll start talking about it and kind of stick with it. Uh, but at different points in the book, like he kind of wanders into other interesting things. Like he just literally wanders into uh, the five hundred first and how they came about and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, I, I can't wait for you to listen to it because I, I think you will will really enjoy it. So, um, listen to it. Yeah, have yes. you started yet? Uh, this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've listened to it. Oh. Yes. So yeah, no, I've, so it's a good I've, audiobook. it's, yeah. I mean, the guy who reads it's energetic and, uh, like I said, it, it, it comes through, um, it, it's well done. Yeah. It, you, you, you would enjoy it. And it's one of those things that you can pick up and listen to for a little bit and put back down because it's, it's not a story. It, it is, I mean, there are stories in it about how the movies were made and stuff. But uh, it's also just a lot of, uh, you know, other random things thrown in there. So um, it, it should keep your interest. So um, let's go move on and talk about other things that we've been reading. Has anyone, anyone read anything recently they enjoyed or didn't enjoy? Um, yeah, we just finished the third book of the Magic 2.0 series. And it was really good. And good. I didn't like to. Uh, well, I didn't really like this story itself but i like the way it ended and um then we just started listening to fourth one uh fight and flight so i need to right. do the fourth one i've listened to three but then the fourth one wasn't free on kindle unlimited so i didn't listen to that one. well good deal um I speaking of Scott Meyer, i read another book of his um as much as i want him to keep writing um the magic 2.0 series he he wrote a book called the authorities and it's read by the same author i mean by the same by the same reader mm-hmm. and uh, he reuses some of the voices <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to hear you know a voice you know that i've come to love as a character in this one series being used for a different character that in some cases has a vastly different personality um but it's it, it's about this uh the street cop that just kind of like randomly falls into this super crime fighting group that's being sponsored by this uh this this multi billionaire and um Batman? uh not so much like he's to- like he's like he's basically just kind of like the spokesperson he's like hey listen i'm putting a bunch of money and technology into this and these are the these are the the awesome team that i have to do it and the role that he cast him for ends up being hilarious. And the other characters, I would not mind uh, if the next book he writes is a sequel to this one, because I'd actually like to kind of see more of this universe. Like I said, as much as it pains me to say that, that I wouldn't be getting another Magic 2.0 book, I would actually be okay with getting another one from him. So um, if you like Scott Meyer, uh, check out The Authorities, because I, I did greatly enjoy it. So. And I'm not going to list all the stuff that I re-listened to <laughs> while getting ready for testing and everything else. So, uh, Jennifer, you've been reading anything else? or? Yeah, so I didn't make last month, so it's been, I guess, two months since I've talked to y'all. So I read uh, for another book club that hasn't actually met about this, uh, You Can Touch My Hair and Other Things I Still Have to Explain by... Phoebe... What's her name? I can't remember her last name. But she's hilarious. She's one of the stars of two dope queens podcast and it was i was laughing the whole time when listened to it um i also read half of cadillac desert which is a super depressing but informative book about uh water policy in the west and how we've basically killed our water you know our rivers and everything by damming them and diverting water and yeah it's like i said really depressing written in the 80s and still relevant today no. And <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so full of joy lately, right? 
Um, there's another book I read that was really good, but I can't think of it, so I'll have to let you know. Later. Okay. Oh, Maybe you've been the, reading anything? Oh. The, well, we started listening to, I started listening to We Have No Idea for my other book club, but didn't finish that either. <laughs> so, when does that one do? Oh, we already met like a month ago, <laughs> almost a month ago. I was, I literally had four books in one month and it was like, fuck it, I'm not going to get through all of them. That's why I couldn't get that one done and, and I didn't finish any of them, obviously. So, yeah. Failing at life. <laughs> Mandy, have you been reading anything else? So, I reread A Wrinkle in Time. Oh, okay. I wanted to read that. And... I haven't seen the movie yet. Um, I forgot how annoying Charles Wallace was. That kid is so annoying um so i'm hoping the movie kind of tempers that a little Uh, huh cute kid in the movie okay well that's good because he's so (laughs) annoying so you've seen the movie jen yeah i don't remember the book very well but i saw the movie how was the movie it was pretty good but the the story did kind of jump around and it was kind of hard to follow. And I know that it's hard to, to put that, that book or that story in a movie because it's just so all over the place, but it was pretty, mm-hmm. it, it was just, yeah, a little underwhelming, but you know, gotcha. Not well, before we close up, um, I don't know. Do we want to discuss just, for time reasons, do we want to discuss our thoughts on Ready Player One, or do we want to get and wrap up? Who's seen it? Other I think everyone you? here. Can do a quickie. Yeah. All right, well, just really quickly. Um, not as good as the book. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more the second time. Um, not as many music references as there were in the book. Definitely a little more heavy leaning on video games. But um, if you love pop culture, um, you owe it to yourself to go to go see the movie because it's. Uh, and I've told people this before. The now that I once I saw it and I knew what it wasn't, I could appreciate it for what it was, and I did appreciate it for what it was. I I thought it was a good movie, so. Um, I'll probably end up owning it whenever it ends up coming out. So, uh, Chris, um, I, yeah, going into it and we told the kids too, like, it's not the same as the book. You have to sort of suspend disbelief and just sort of go in thinking it's a brand new story. So they didn't do that and they didn't like it. Um, I tried to, as much as possible, like it's a brand new story. Let's just see what Ernest Klein maybe thought about it if you could do it over again i'm glad that there wasn't as much music i'm not a huge rush fan sorry rush i know that's like blasphemous because they're a canadian band i I was gonna say they're canadian i know and i thought for years that getty lee who's the lead singer was my (laughs) great but i yeah video game stuff's awesome that much but um i thought it was cool and I like you Eugene I think I'd like it the second time around knowing how the difference is that I can just shut that part off and watch it again and enjoy it more I really like what they did with H though that was my favorite yes. yeah really really liked H yeah he was funny yeah oh. Mandy was- thoughts so I love Lena Waithe and I love her as H I just she had so much like explaining to do while running or driving i was like you really could have used her better but um and i kind of like i've been listening to the soundtrack for like the past two weeks because i really liked it and Mm -hmm. i don't like rush either um so (laughs) so when the first trailer came out and tom sawyer was the song i was like what the hell and i'd forgotten rush is a clue in the book yeah Um, yeah there was no rush in the movie um but yeah you could kind of tell like h's identity like if you listen to the music and that's playing in his workshop it's kind of a little girlier than the rest of it it's like prince and it's the the temptations and like all the songs on the soundtrack are like h's themes um but so i went the second time i was looking for 
I read that Spielberg wouldn't allow any references to his movies except for Back to the Future because the DeLorean and and so like the the creators the digital guys would try to hide references <laughs> in the movie that because there's so much going on and he right. the T-Rex oh yeah and he caught yeah, everything he... sorry I, I was thinking wasn't that his movie but never mind I didn't see anything but yeah, I, I know he can't. I know he relented because I heard that too. He originally was like, "No, I don't want any of my stuff in there." Like, dude, you're the you are the '80s. Yeah. How? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like when you said how um, the Mogwai came in that box that looks like the one the orb that the is orb in. is in. Yeah. Um, but there's supposed to be a gremlin in the final fight scene, and so I was looking for that little guy the whole time, and I never found him. I saw it twice. So yeah, I'm gonna have to buy it and like pause every scene and find him yep <laughs> very small though <laughs> yeah what were you saying what were you gonna say jen i said where's waldo yeah so what were your thoughts um i liked it for what it was yeah it wasn't the book it wasn't as good as the book and they they just completely changed the whole story how they found the keys how they met each other you know og wasn't even like as big of a part of it and you know how he got the quarter was different like everything was different and I, and usually yes. with books like this they change a few things but like you know for the most part the big stuff stays the same but like the only thing that stayed the same was the characters and the concept of the oasis and yeah so that kind of annoyed me but it was still for what it was it was still pretty good yeah and like knowing that ernie klein was involved with the screenplay that's like well it's kind of yeah he had signed off on it yeah yeah. Would you have yeah, seen I, him or met him or something? Right? I've met him. I, I I met him at Classic Game Fest. He's act, he's actually going to be back again this year. And uh, <laughs> my um my copy of Ready Player One back behind me here is signed. So uh, same. Yeah. Uh, hey, did you meet him you at the screening, Mandy, for a movie well, or something? No, I was at Classic uh, Game Fest. And did you get the Atari cartridge that he was handing out? No, I didn't get the Atari cartridge. So, uh, I was uh, I was dressed, of course, in Ghostbusters uh, gear, and uh, of course he was asking, he's like, "Well, have you been out to see the car yet?" And I'm like, "No, the car's here." <laughs> so, of course, I had to go outside and see the Ecto 88. So, uh -huh. which listening to another podcast that's very heavily Ghostbusters, they're like, "Yeah, it's kind of funny that nothing from Sony ended up in this movie." Why would you do that, Sony? You douchebags. Um, but I mean, they're kind of weird when it comes to their licensing of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was also telling uh, um, my aunt, who ended up going to the same showing the, the second time I went to see it, uh, all the stuff. Well, a lot of the stuff in the um, in the Shining that was the actual movie that they digitally inserted them in. That's why it looked so much like the original movie because that first scene when they're walking down the staircase, I'm watching going. Jesus, this looks really, really good. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the actual movie, dummy. <laughs> but in the book, they actually go into the movie, right? Like, that's part of the thing. They act out They're, one of the movies. and Yeah, yeah. but when The Shining, it was, yeah. yeah it was, Which is kind and, of and odd because, I mean, and, and going back, and, and what's funny is now listening to uh, uh, How Star Wars uh, Conquered the Universe, um, it's very clear that Kubrick and, and Spielberg were friends or have been friends. And like, he obviously holds him in high regard to be like, Hey, we're going to jump one of your biggest movies into this and make it a key plot area. So, um, uh, but yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for, uh, this month. Like I said, our next book is, uh, how star Wars conquered the universe by Chris Taylor. Uh, we'll put up hopefully when we figure out where we're going to, um, uh, you know, do the uh, review on that one. Normally, it's at the beginning of the month, probably going to be closer to mid month, just because, like I said, it is a pretty long book. So, uh, but we'll see when we get there. So, if you would please give us a five star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. Uh, you can also find us at epicallygeeky.com and on uh, the social stuff at, at Facebook, at Epically Geeky, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, where can we find you online, Chris? On Instagram uh, at Cedar Birch Cottage. We just uh, we're documenting our kitchen renovation right now, and I'm on this podcast and Epically Geeky. Uh, Mandy, where can we find you? On Twitter at Mandy Joe Shelton, Joe Noe. 
Uh, Jennifer, where can we find you online? She grows. Oh no, she froze. Uh, you can find Jennifer Het at Het's going to be me on Instagram. Uh, I think it's the main main place to find her, and uh, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.